This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, real MVPs, Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And Brandon, it is a big week because it has been quite a while um, since we've done one of these, but we are finally back doing NFL Big Boards. We're, we're, we're finally back doing a podcast. Yes, that too, as we took a hiatus um, last week because um, I was a little bit under the weather. And I'm glad remember, you're now above the weather. I can't remember if we did a podcast before that, but no. I, uh, I, I think we might have. We may have not, uh, but it's, been, it's good. It's been two weeks. It's good to be back, and uh, yeah, NFL Big Board style, and this is the one where it's NFL Big Board, then the next one we're going to have will be after the NFL Combine. So we kind of get to talk about these guys, and we get to see them um, in their underwear kind of run through. Hopefully we don't have another situation like, oh, who was it? I remember he was from either South Carolina or Mississippi State, but it was like the the late-round guy who was doing the 40-yard dash that had his junk um, come out at the Combine. Hopefully we don't have another one of those mishaps at the Combine then we get to talk about them after they run around in their underwear. And I think we got one more after that. I'm going to look it up. Yes, we do. So we'll have this one after they run around in their underwear. And then the fifth one right before the draft. You I feel like you're a little too excited to watch grown men well, run I mean, around in their underwear. Come on. That's what it looks like. The The uniforms are so skin tight to where it's like they're basically in their undies. Um, running around doing their 40-yard dashes, their football drills. And Kyler Murray will be there. I'm Kyler Murray will be there. As he made his decision, he said bye-bye to the Oakland A's, and now he's going to go to the Oakland Raiders, potentially in the NFL. That Poor guy. Fun. I'd rather go to the A's. Yeah, I'd rather <laughs> go to the A's too. But how we do it for our big board, top 25, we split it into three. We do 16 through 25. We do then six through 15, if my math is right. And then we save the top five for last. Before I ask Brandon to give me his 16 through 25, make sure to check out patreon.com backslash Podcast. If you want to join a podcast, join us at the $10 tier. You support us at that $10 tier. You can join a podcast each and every month. You are at that tier. But Brandon, let's get started and let's do the honors. I'll let you go first. 16 through 25, who you got? So at 25, starting things off, DeAndre Baker, the cornerback from Georgia. At 24, A.J. Brown, the wide receiver from Ole Miss. 23, Alabama running back Damian Harris. At 22, Nasir Adderley, safety from Delaware. At 21, Ja'Kai Polite, defensive end from Florida. At 20, Rashawn Gary, D. Uh, D lineman from Michigan. At 19, Montez Sweat, the defensive end from Mississippi State. At 18, David Montgomery, the running back from Iowa State. 17, Noah Fant, Iowa tight end. And at 16, I stuck him in there again because <laughs> I just, you know, can't not put him in there. Will Greer, the quarterback from West Virginia. And you put him kind of high at 16. A little bit high for some people's uh, liking, but I know you, you're a Will Greer guy and uh, I am. Screw off I other mean, people. We, when we talked about Will Greer, you were very very pro Will Greer especially when we we're talking about Jones and Locke, but we'll have that conversation again today. And I, I was just going to say, you mm -hmm. know, if if Will Greer can find the right system and I'll mention this when we talk them. Mm -hmm. If he finds the right system, if he's, he's put into the right system, he'll he'll be okay. 
And I know that some people will say, well, that's a weakness. If mm-hmm. he's got to be a system guy, then that's going to be a weakness. But if he finds that right system, he'll end up being, I think, a really strong quarterback. Well, and then going into mine, starting it off at number 25, the safety from Mississippi State, Jonathan Abrams. Then at number 24, Brian Burns, the pass rusher, basically, outside linebacker, defensive end from the Florida State Seminoles. Then at number 23, he took quite a fall for me, but that's what happens when you get popped for PEDs. You fall from 8 all the way to 23. Um, Dexter Lawrence, the defensive tackle from the Clemson Tigres. Then at number 22, we got Josh Jacobs, the running back from Bama, making his first appearance on a big board. Then at 21, Drew Locke, the quarterback from the Missouri Tigers, coming on in there. Then at number 20, D. D.K. Metcalf, the wide receiver from Old Miss. Then I'm just going to continue the SEC all the way through this. We've got Ja'Kai Polite at 19, the defensive end from the Florida Gators. Then his teammate, Juwan Taylor, the offensive tackle from the Florida Gators. Then at number 17, Montez Sweat, the defensive end from Mississippi State. And then at 16, his teammate, Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle from Mississippi State. And the first thing I want to talk about, Brandon, is some good old running backs. And this is a position that every single big board, I believe you've had a running back in your big board. Yes, you had, I'm looking here, you had Damian Harris, Justice Hill, and David Montgomery. So you had three and in That was your in the first. first one, yeah. Then in your second, you just had Montgomery and Harris, I believe, maybe just Harris, um... I think it was just no, Montgomery. It was just Montgomery. And then this one, Harris creeped back in. So you've gone from three to one to three. I have not been that. Damian Harris has only been the guy. I am being persuaded, though, after watching film of Josh Jacobs, I really like what I see of the running back that is probably second in most people's minds behind Damian Harris. But I really like what I'm seeing from Josh Jacobs and his film. Uh, yeah, you you have to love what you see from Josh Jacobs, and I'm not saying that just because I am a, fan. an Alabama fan, but I'm saying that because they did an excellent job, and now I know that this is where it gets, it could get a little tricky when you're looking for who's the best running back on Alabama, because <laughs> in, in years past, uh, certainly, uh, what was it for Damian Harris, it was last season where he had mm-hmm. 135 carries. For a thousand yards and eleven touchdowns, and then the year before that, he had a hundred and forty-six carries for over a thousand yards, only two touchdowns um, on the ground for total, but um, still over a thousand yards. This year, eight seventy-six, nine touchdowns. But you look at Josh Jacobs, what he did—he came in with one hundred and twenty touches on the ground and twenty. Uh, catches in the receiving game, 640 yards, 11 touchdowns there. He really came on, and they worked this committee, mm-hmm. which in Alabama's past, you know, they've they've had some committees, but they've also had, you know, some guys. When when you had when they had Derrick Henry, there was no need for really any committee. Every once in a while, they they they'd get in um, Harris a little bit. They'd get in Najee Harris. Uh, you know, for a little, a little uh, quicker back as opposed to the ground and pound mm-hmm. right up the middle. But that's kind of where we're at right now with Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris. And Josh Jacobs seems to be, at least to me, a little bit more of a shiftier back 
for Alabama, coming out of Alabama, whereas Damian Harris is a little bit more of your kind of run it up the middle, little to the left, little to the right. But Jacobs brings you a little bit of a, a shiftiness. I'm not going to say one of them is a better pass catcher than the other because they really didn't catch a ton of passes. I think maybe 40-some mm-hmm. combined between the two. But I really like uh, Damian Harris have for for a while. But the one that was not mentioned in your uh, talk there Damn, is, is Montgomery. And, and I like Montgomery as a lesser version. I've said this before. So for those of you that continue to follow... Uh, the primetime podcast and our uh, a our, and our big boards for mm-hmm. the NFL is David Montgomery for me is a lesser version, still quality, but a lesser version of Saquon Barkley. Hmm. You know, some some of the, the the big thighs, you know, really can can move out there, not as fast, still powerful, can make some really good cuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the types of things that if you watch their film. Yeah, you'll say Saquon is Saquon, and David Montgomery is David Montgomery, but I think that you could also see some crossover and some similarities in the way that they play. Now, the thing for me, there's one trait that comes down to why I was impressed so much by um, Jacob's film over a Montgomery and maybe over a Damian Harris. If I were to rank them right now just running backs— I would say that I'd have Jacobs number one, Harris number two. I would have Montgomery at three. And the reason why I say that for me running back, it comes down to vision. And when you're watching Josh Jacobs, he's not going to be the guy that tries to power through. He's going to be that guy. I almost, it kind of almost reminds me of like what we used to say about Ray Rice when he was coming in to the league, where it was like, he'll get the ball He'll kind of almost slowly, like it's almost slow motion, how he goes up to the line, finds the gap, and then just kind of slips right through it. And he's also a guy that can hit you with like a jab step and a little juke, and he can make you miss. And those moves are what I like. The shiftiness, the vision most importantly, because you can go ahead and ram through the line, but I'd rather have a guy that, hey, I'm going to pick my hole, find the hole, and be able to get you about four or five yards each and every time that I'm giving you the ball. Damian Harris, to me, is the one that kind of falls into a typecast, where he is going to be fine only because he reminds me of Mark Ingram, and Mark Ingram's got a job. Um, There is a definite kind of hole for or a fit for somebody that can just say, hey, give me the ball, I'm going to pound it up the middle, and I'm going to get you yardage. But David Montgomery right now, and it's not something that, hey, you can't fix and you're basically dead in the water. He can fix it. But the thing I see from David Montgomery is when you said the Saquon Barkley, I'm like, huh, all right. I didn't see it at first. But now after like right now, I'm even watching the film. I see it. But the thing that made Saquon so much better is we never had to question Saquon's vision. Saquon never had that problem of not being able to find the hole where sometimes when I watch David Montgomery, it's like he gets the ball and he's kind of like happy feet back there where it's like, oh, where is it? Where is it? Okay, I'm tackled. Um, Whereas then sometimes, oh, here's the hole. I don't have to think about it too much. And I find a big game. So, I mean, if David Montgomery can fix that, 
then I think he'll be really good. But right now, that's why I really like Jacobs, and I'm kind of low on Montgomery. You know, I, I think in in these situations, whenever we do these big boards, I always feel like you well, are different. I always feel like you're a much more difficult grader than I am. Mm-hmm. I'm just like the guy really plays yeah. well. <laughs> he he can really cut well, down it, the field. You know, I, I mean, I, I think I think you're just mm-hmm. a little bit more of the critical one, whereas I just see the talent and it, and it excites me. And so I, I, that's that's where we come with two kind of different styles of doing it, which I, I appreciate. It. And yeah. the thing, it kind of reminds me of like when you look at Todd McShay's big board and then Mel Kuyper, just the quarterbacks alone. Mel has both of the uh, Haskins and Murray top 10 guys. They're up here. Todd McShay's like, eh, they're 11 and 13. They're outside the top 10. They're not up there. We're, there was one where it's like Mel Kuyper had this guy. Oh, he's a top 10 prospect. Todd McShay, maybe top 20s, between 15 and 20 over here. So, I mean, I do like the differencing in opinions, but the true question I'm going to ask you, and this is going to change over time, is of course a big board is different than a mock draft. Just because like yeah. I have Jacobs at 22 doesn't mean he's going to be the 22nd overall pick. I want to ask you before we move on to the quarterbacks, will any of these three guys, Harris, Montgomery, Jacobs, be selected in the first round? Will there be a team that takes a running back in the first round? Yeah, I think we'll have one. I think okay. we'll have one team that takes a running mm-hmm. back in the first round. I don't know. Who I, it is. I, I can't specifically pick out who that mm-hmm. team is. But I also don't think that we're going to have more than one running back because of the fact that there are so many defensive players, so many good, solid defensive players out there that teams are going to want to gobble up, which, mm-hmm. again, you know, defense doesn't necessarily always defensive players don't always necessarily excite me because I'm more of an offensive minded guy. Yeah. You put Madden in front of me, I don't give a crap about defense. I give a crap about that offense, though. Just to kind of... Um, oh. But but I was going to say, I think that there's just too many good defensive players this year to, to pass up, and a couple of quarterbacks that... Guys will that the teams will want to go after. I mean, just mm-hmm. I was looking at ESPN today, going at well, looking at some teams will want to trade up for to get that fifth option on. And I was looking at some some options for teams that are quarterback needy, mm-hmm. and just kind of looking at different scenarios of guys that are free agents right now and what could happen. And if it does, if it doesn't, I mean, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for guys for team guys. I keep saying guys uh, for <laughs> for teams to go get quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and not that. Tons will go in the first round, but I could certainly see three quarterbacks going in the in that first round too. Well, one team before we get into those quarterbacks, look at the Eagles. They could be a team at twenty five that goes ahead and takes a running back, especially to the injury that um, Jay Ajayi had this season. But let's talk about those running or those quarterbacks that you mentioned. So there's three of them. There's Daniel Jones. There's Drew Locke, and there's Will Greer. And I'll be honest, the only reason Will Greer is thrown into the conversation here is because Brandon here is so high on him. And Mark and I had talked on the onside kick after the Senior Bowl, is Daniel Jones or Drew Locke going to kind of get into the first round with Will Greer kind of being there too as like the last one rounding out the top five because it's these three plus the two we're going to talk about later in your mind, you said one of these guys. So if three quarterbacks were thinking Kyler Murray, we're thinking Dwayne Haskins. Out of these three, I'll ask you this. Make your case 
to why you think Will Greer will be that third quarterback and not a Drew Locke and not a Daniel Jones, who both had good performances at the Senior Bowl? Well, let me tell you, first of all, and I don't have him in my big board, and that doesn't mean that I don't like him, Mm -hmm. but I think that out of the three of them, and I know that people may think, well, that's... That doesn't make sense. You have you have Will Greer in there, but you don't have this other guy um, in here. But the, the guy who might go out of the three of them mm-hmm. is Drew Locke. Yep. And the reason that I say that, so there are people out there who say that he looks a lot like a lot like Pat Mahomes coming mm-hmm. out of Texas Tech. Big arm, can extend plays, mobile in the pocket, can fit the ball into tight windows. They're going to see that, and the reason I'm saying this is because they've seen what Pat Mahomes did with a full season. Mm-hmm. They saw what Pat Mahomes is, can be, will be, and I think they even he might have Pat Mahomes may have even convinced you too, Ricky, uh, yeah, that, that, yeah. he's, that he's the real deal. But I think they're going I mean, to look at that. Teams are going to look at that. They're going to see what Mahomes did. Mm-hmm. They're going to see some of the similarities. They're going to see the big arm. They're going to see, I think, a little bit. They're going to go with a guy who might be a safer option than than Will Greer. Because, yes, there's some things that Will Greer maybe needs to work on, and there's mm-hmm. also that he'll be really good if he gets the right system, like I said before. But I think Drew Locke could be good no matter what system he is in. I still really like Will Greer, of course, but I think that is why teams would be looking at at Drew Locke and saying especially out of those three saying well this guy he's pro- he's the safest he he has similarities to Pat Mahomes we saw what Pat Mahomes could do in, in the NFL we want to go and get this guy mm-hmm. well and it's funny that you say that because one of the things that I believe it was Drew Locke that I said this about um when we were doing the um, onside kick and talked about Daniel Jones and Drew Locke was the thing that makes me kind of a little weary in his film is Drew Locke's kind of footwork. He gets a little bit of happy feet under pressure, but you threw out the Patrick Mahomes comparison, and now I'm watching his film going, well, I mean, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have perfect footwork, and he slings the ball with his left hand sometimes and doesn't even throw usually with his left hand. But that's a comparison that is almost like I'm going to say it's almost like the LeBron James comparison in basketball of like Patrick Mahomes is his unique kind of box and he really just blew the doors off of all the expectations for it. But I do see a little bit of that in Drew Locke's game. And for me, the biggest thing that I like about Drew Locke and why I have him in my big board is his arm strength. Give me a guy who... I don't have to worry about you underthrowing um, passes because I can teach you at the next level. I can fix your mechanics. I can fix your f- footwork. I can fix your pocket awareness. The one thing I cannot do as a coach is I can't get you more strength than your arm. If you're a guy who's going to be short-arming passes and doesn't have a strong arm, I can't do anything for you there. It's either hitting more weights to make that arm stronger or you're just capped out with, hey, this is as hard as I can throw the ball because everyone is different with how fast and how far they can throw. But everything else that I see, I can help and fix you if I'm Drew Locke. 
the thing that I feel like for me, the guy out of these three that I'm the most, I'm going to say, I hope I'm using this word right. I'm the whole, I'm the most skeptical of him is Daniel Jones, where if I had to rank them, he'd be four just above Will Greer because I do believe, like, I believe what you said. Will Greer, one of his, I'm going to say, problems is he's got to find the right system. Like, if he ends up in a bad situation, well, that's going to set him behind the eight ball. And he's not going to, it's going to be like, and I don't mean to make this comparison as like a negative thing, but it's like Tim Tebow. If he ends in a Denver Broncos, like how Tebow ended with the Broncos, and it was just a horrible situation for Timmy, then Will Greer might not, like, he might have to overcome that before he can overcome the issues that he has. To me, it's Daniel Jones that's the biggest question mark for me because I look at him and it's like, yes, he's a big body. He's got a strong arm. But I look at what he's done at Duke. And I know there was a commenter um, on the onside kick that's like, hey, you got to look at it and say it's sometimes like most of the time it was our receiver's fault at Duke. And it's like, that's great. You can say that the receivers dropped some passes and didn't make plays here or there. But I'm a little concerned when, and I said this on the onside kick, when I look at a scouting report like the one I'm looking at, and it says in 23 or more passing attempts as a sophomore, Jones's completion percentage dipped from a 62.8 to a 56.7. I know that was a sophomore year, not his junior year, but that concerns me. If I'm a scout looking at Daniel Jones, especially when I've got guys like Will Greer Andrew Locke also right next to you in that range. Yeah, no, I mean, I completely understand that. I, I, I'm skeptical uh, a bit of Daniel Jones. That's why I don't have him uh, near the big board. Drew Locke would have been much closer mm-hmm. um, to cracking the, the, the top 25 um, in, in this big board. Again, this is, you know, I put these these guys in uh, sometime last week. If I would have taken a little bit more of a look before we we got things started mm-hmm. this week, I may have you know looked at Locke again. And I've liked him. I've liked mm-hmm. Locke. I, I think that he's a you know a a solid quarterback. I had him in there at nineteen in my first big board, and I, I change up the big board literally just you know going based off of what's been happening lately and how mm-hmm. I feel that day. You know that's really all that yeah. it is. But he has got a great arm, mm-hmm. and the the similarities that you can see from Pat Mahomes coming You're out of about Drew college, Locke Drew Locke okay. coming out of college, uh, uh, Drew Locke and Pat Mahomes coming out of college. Mm-hmm. That's you can see those similarities in terms of that big arm being able to stretch the ball down the field. He extends plays so well, and that is one of the biggest things as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. One of the problems that I think you see from teams that are quarterback needy, one of them being the New York Giants, Eli Manning has been a really good quarterback. But one thing that Eli Manning doesn't do well, he does not extend plays well. He, mm-hmm. If the pocket breaks down, you know it's going to be a sack. Yeah, Hopefully just not a strip fumble. Mm-hmm. So um, you need guys who are going to, to keep plays alive, who sometimes have those happy feet to be able to run around, move away from defenders, escape the pressure, 
move far out of the pocket and get off a pass or at least be able to then throw it away instead of taking a 7-10 yard sack. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't always worry me uh, with the footwork of, of, of being a little bit of uh, happy feet. As long as you're always like thinking, what can I do next? What can I do next? If this if this reads, okay, this reads not here, this reads not here, this reads not here, okay, I need to now move. You know, that is better than just being caught flat-footed and going down for the sack. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't necessarily worry me. But Daniel Jones, I think he's also one of the kind of less known guys only because of his time at Duke. Duke mm-hmm. hadn't been a, an outstanding, you know, fo- football program by by any means, but he he didn't seem to me to make any big splashes. That's why he's he's just farther down on the mm-hmm. list than any of the other ones. Well, and I say like I said, big body and arm strength. The thing that hurt him, though, in my mind at the senior bowl, and this is the last thing I'll say about him before we move in to the last thing for this topic, is this is what McShay had written about him at the senior bowl. This is Daniel Jones. It says, Jones has just an average arm and struggled to make some throws in the wind when he was late. Um, At one point, he had back-to-back INTs during seven-on-sevens. On On the first one, he locked on to his primary too long and tried to force a throw to the flat too late. Still, he did show very good touch on immediate immediate timing throws. He doesn't get great zip on the ball, but he certainly has a good feel for trajectory. And that's going to be something where can you live without that arm strength when we're living in an era where look at the arm strength of Patrick or Patrick Mahomes. Look at the arm strength of all these big-time quarterbacks that we see. We're really... The big thing that we're looking at with like a guy like Tom Brady is, oh, he doesn't have a big zip on the ball anymore, but yeah, he's 40. That's what happens when you get older. But still, in a prime situation within that offense to be successful, the big thing with all three of these guys, can they find the right situation, the right coach to make them successful at the next level? And then the last one, this one might be a shorter conversation, but I wanted to throw it out. Anyways, because I saw this on, it was Mel Kuyper's big board, because Mel Kuyper had TJ, oh, the last name is going to, TJ Hawkinson as the tight end on his big board. No Noah Fant. And the thing that he said was, you look at Iowa's stats, Noah Fant's the athletic guy. He's the guy that has the big name. Hawkinson's the guy that actually had better stats last year then Noah Fant, I will ask you, Brandon, you are an NFL scout, you are an NFL GM, what would you lean towards more? The guy who has more production from college or the guy who just might be a better athlete overall? Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't know who that Hawkinson mm-hmm. guy is until you literally said it earlier well, today. Everything had, out of I, Iowa has been Noah Fant, Noah I, Fant, Noah Fant. I, I, I would have honestly had no idea. But mm-hmm. Noah Fant, there's no way you can get past how great of an athlete this guy is. He is incredible. His versatility is great. There's really no limit for him. He can. He's a tight end by nature, but he can be a wide receiver. He can be the guy that... Travis Kelsey's called upon to be as a wide mm-hmm. receiver. The guy that George Kittle's called upon to be as a wide receiver. 
both of those guys extremely talented, extremely versatile in the way that they play their game. Very tough. You know, Fan is like 6'4", 230. That's a that's a very good size tight end and wide receiver for your team. He's just he's just I think a freak athlete from that tight end position. Can run a number of routes. Uh, very diverse there. Has great hands. Can make adjustments with the football. He'll beat a lot of defenders on going up to high point the ball as well. There's just I am, would be in large disagreement with anyone who said that Hawkinson is better than him. And I, like I said, don't really know anything about Hawkinson. I just know that Noah Fant is a very good athlete and should continue to be very successful at the NFL level. Well, and here's the thing that's going to, for me, decipher between the two is what kind of an offense are you running? That's going to be the one that kind of makes this decision for you. Because if you look at it, Hawkinson is about one inch taller than Noah Fant. Whoop-de-doo, you're one inch taller. Um, Pretty much still at eye level. Um, And he's about 10 to 11 pounds bigger. Hopefully that's muscle. I don't know. I don't know Hawkinson um, personally. But the biggest thing with them is... What kind of an offense do you run? Because with most of the scouting reports and when you watch the film, you look at Noah Fant, he's a run-after-the-catch guy. He's got that run-after-catch ability. His probably the worst is going to be his power in the play action um, in those type of situations, whereas you've got Hawkinson who – the best thing is he's versatile. You can throw him in almost any situation, and he can produce for you. However, he doesn't have that deep speed. Like, he's not a guy that's going to blow you away, basically, with his athleticism like a Noah Fant would. So if you're looking for a Travis Kelsey, you're looking for someone, let's say you have the Chiefs kind of an offense, you're going to want Noah Fant over a TJ Hawkinson. But if you're, let's say... I'm going to even say, like, the Bears would probably go with a Fant. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, maybe, like, a Packers offense. Or if you're trying to do maybe, like, a Patriot offense. I mean, eh, Patriots, I would even say go Fant because Gronk is I mean, kind you, of an you, athletic you're, guy. You're, so you're trying to name offenses that don't hardly use the tight end the way that uh, Hawkinson, would be, Hawkinson would be perfect on the Dolphins. Pretty much, yeah. They don't use the tight end. But I mean, ever. They, they just drafted Gasecki. Ever. Um, they don't use him. Here, they don't use him. Here's the only one that I kind of had a question with Philly. Zach Ertz. Is he, in a, would you say he's an athletic tight end? Is, or was yeah, he just he's a an athletic tight productive end. tight end? Because uh, he was athletic and thrown productive. to a ton this year. Athletic um, and productive. He's he's thrown to a lot. He's been mm-hmm. thrown to a lot even before this year. Obviously, this year was a lot, yeah. but um, he you know he's. I there's. I'm almost feeling like there's not too many teams these days mm-hmm. where the tight end isn't fully involved in in, in some mm-hmm. way. Of, of course, you know this past year we saw when we're doing our, the fantasy podcast. What's yep. your what's your fantasy? There were a lot of issues with tight ends going down, and then it was it was at the point of, mm-hmm. well, what are you going to do? Because so many tight ends have now really been called upon to be wide receivers mm-hmm. and and be a a big play threat as well as everything else. So, I think that uh, I'm just I really like Noah Fant. I think that there's a lot of potential with him still. Mm-hmm. 
I'm excited to see what he does at the next level. The other guy I will say that I'm interested to see at if he's at the combine because I don't know for sure. Someone in the comment section helped me out. But if Irv Smith Jr., the tight end from Bama, he's a guy that could sneak up for me because he's a guy that I saw in Todd McShay's big board. It was funny because neither McShay or Kuyper had Fant as the number one tight end. McShay had Irv Smith. Um, Mel Kuyper had Hawkinson. Obviously, I didn't have a tight end in my big board. They would have been in this range if I did. And then you had Noah Fant as your number one tight end. Um, coming into this big board. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in the comment section about our 16 through 25. Also, what do you think about the running backs? What do you think about these lower, I'm going to call them tier two type of quarterbacks because tier one is going to be Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins. And then what do you think about the tight ends, mainly Hawkinson and Fant? Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. And Brandon, let's move right along into the next portion. We got 16 through 15. If you're on YouTube, welcome in to our big board. Make sure to check out 16 through 25 that we recorded and came out yesterday after you obviously check out 6 through 15 that you're watching right now. If you're on Blog Talk Radio and podcast services around the world, thank you guys for rolling on through. Before I ask Brandon for his big board, got to throw out, make sure that you go and rate and review the podcast. If you're on iTunes, even if you're not, I know you guys have iTunes accounts. I know you guys do. Make sure to go rate and review the Primetime Podcast on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. It would really mean the world to us. And we strive to give you that five-star rating each and every week. But, Brandon, let's kick it off. Six through 15, you know the drill. We start with you. Who's at number 15? At 15, Trayvon Mullen, the cornerback from Clemson. At 14, Marquise Brown, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. At 13, Christian Wilkins, D lineman, Clemson. At 12, Greg Little, the offensive tackle from Ole Miss. At 11, Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle from Alabama. At 10, Devin White, linebacker from LSU. At 9, Dwayne Haskins, quarterback from Ohio State. At 8, Grady Williams, the cornerback from LSU. Cleland Farrell, the defensive end from Clemson's at 7. And rounding out 6 through 15, at 6, I've got Kyler Murray, quarterback, Oklahoma. And moving right along into mine at 15, DeAndre Baker, the cornerback from the Georgia Bulldogs. Then at number 14 of the Michigan Wolverines, linebacker Devin Bush. Then at 13, Brandon, I'm going to correct you because you got to put a little respect on this name. It's not just Marquise Brown. It's Marquise Hollywood Brown, the wide receiver from the Oklahoma Sooners. we got to get him, like, glasses and just have, like, the cameras <laughs> for Hollywood Brown. Then at number 12, Kristen Wilkins, the defensive tackle from the Clemson Tigers. Then his teammate, Clellan Farrell, the defensive end from the Clemson Tigers. Then it is finally there, Brandon. Kyler Murray officially going to be an NFL quarterback in the NFL, declaring for, not just declaring for the draft, saying, hey, I'm going to be at the combine, and then, hey, I am going to be a quarterback. Bye-bye, baseball. Hello, NFL. Then Greedy Williams, cornerback from LSU. Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback from The Ohio State University. Then at seven, Ed Oliver, 
the defensive tackle from Houston. And then at number six, rounding out my six through 15, Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle from Roll Tide, Alabama. And let's start with the big boy, the BMOC of today, because literally today as we record the podcast, he made his announcement of, hey, I'm choosing football over baseball. What was your, I'll ask you this, what was your first reaction to Kyler Murray picking football over baseball? I was not surprised. I was not surprised mm-hmm. only because we've seen it before with with guys having an opportunity, you know, to go play baseball and, you know, some offer there to go play baseball and then ultimately picking football. Uh, you know, I think one of the last times we, we saw a, a, a high-profile name like this do that was uh, probably back with Russell Wilson mm-hmm. uh, in, in his time. But this is exciting for NFL fans. They're now going to see an outstanding college football player go into the NFL, say no baseball for me, and go into the mm-hmm. NFL and see him play there. While I think he'll have he would have success on either field, I think we're going to see some really good things out of him on the football field. And I know that there's going to be people that say Dwayne Haskins is going to be better than him. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins is just built better than him. I don't know about that because there are so many things that Kyler Murray can do. When I said, I, I said, what did I say uh, a couple of times ago on, on a on a big board that, mm-hmm. well, you know, Dwayne Haskins, he you know, he's a little bit of a, a dual threat and people came back, dual threat, he barely runs. And then Stephen A. Smith called him yeah. all, a complete runner well, we, um, on, on we his did, show. We did our Haskins but versus Murray. That's segment. what it was. And okay, so let's say then for mm-hmm. all of those people who do not believe that um, that Dwayne Haskins is a little bit of a dual threat on both. I think he could be if he wanted to, mm-hmm. but then Kyler Murray is much better because Kyler Murray can extend more plays and do more things and be more versatile and diverse in the way he plays which is going to keep defenses on their toes and make them continuously have to change up schemes, then Kyler Murray's better. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just what I think. Tell me I'm wrong. That's fine. We'll find out, and we always do, and it's fun to bicker back and forth until we actually do find out. But we have seen Russell Wilson do this, and we have seen... Russell Wilson be extremely successful in the NFL, mm-hmm. extremely successful with the Seattle Seahawks. Even in a year when the Seahawks, I thought the Seahawks would have it a complete down year. I thought they would be crap this past year. They make it to the playoffs. And they do so because, yeah, their defense was still all right, but they also do so because Russell Wilson was outstanding. Mm-hmm. He was really good. And he's just efficient and he's effective. And it is hard to bring a guy like him down. And for all the people that want to say, well, Kyler Murray, one hit, and this guy's going to be down. How many times has Russell Wilson missed a game in his NFL career? How many games has he missed? Mm -hmm. Not many. The guy does not really get injured. Yeah, some bruises here and there, some tweaks here and there, but he doesn't get injured. So... I would throw that out the window if that's what you're hanging on to as to why Kyler Murray isn't going to be good in the NFL. That's a really, really lame reason. 
Kyler Murray is going to be very good in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So get excited. Here's the thing with me is now, right now, at this point in time, I'm still on the side that I was when we did the Haskins-Murray. If you put a gun to my head and I was an NFL GM, I would take Haskins over Murray. Um, and that's just for me, yes, we've seen like yes, we've seen it with Russell Wilson. Yes, we've even seen it with Baker Mayfield. But the thing for me, which is at this point, Kyler Murray's biggest, biggest red flag for me. It's not even a red flag. It's just what he's weakest with in my mind is I'm going to say poise. And the reason why I am going to say that is whenever he faced pressure, it brought the worst out in him. Now, sometimes it ended up working in his favor. I want to say it was West Virginia. Oh, they brought pressure. Oh, and he's gone. That's a 50-yard run. I believe that's a touchdown. Oh, crap. You, we didn't contain him. Um, I fe- The thing I fear for Kyler Murray is not even the injury thing. It's just NFL coaches are smarter. Like Bill Bel- there are Bill Belichick's. Um, real, really, there's one Bill Belichick in the NFL. The more they see Kyler Murray, they're gonna figure it out. Like Patrick Mahomes, yeah, he did really good. Yes, I am not questioning him. Like he's a top quarterback now in the NFL. But the thing I'm gonna be interested with Patrick Mahomes next year is how teams are different with him. Because now we have a basically full year of tape with Patrick Mahomes. Hell, screw that. Look at what the Patriots did. Look at what Bill Belichick did against the Chiefs in that AFC title game. Basically took their offense and made them useless. They didn't score a single point in that first half. Oh, I would disagree with that point completely. But what I'm saying is then the Chiefs made halftime adjustments and they made a game out of it. I'm just saying that... It's not going to be, for Kyler Murray, it's not going to be as easy as it was in college. And the thing that both Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield have, and they've shown that they have, I'm not saying that Kyler doesn't have this, but he's different than both of those, is Baker for sure, and even with Russ, they've, they came in with chips on their shoulder especially Baker Mayfield. Like, Baker Mayfield, whether it was him manufacturing it all himself in here for motivation, which, more power to you, go ahead and do what you have to do. It's kind of like the athletes that are like, yeah, I. it was kind of like what Reggie Miller would be like back in the day where he would just have Mark Jackson sitting there reading the bad, like, what the New York papers were saying. Oh, Reg, you don't want to hear what they're saying about you, man. Ooh, if it was me, I would be angry. But, oh, man, you don't want to hear about this just to get the fire going. Maybe that's like Baker manufactured it himself, like that chip on his shoulder. But for me, not just Kyler Murray, the poise when pressure came, because it's going to be different in the NFL. The thing that I, it's just uneasy with me, is that Dan Patrick interview, where I will say this. It's an awkward situation to be in when you know someone's going to ask you baseball or football and you're not ready to commit yet. But like Mark and I talked about with it, you got you to gotta have some A, composure, 
and be a blanket statement that you can you, throw you've, out you've there. Gotta, you've got to bring this up to me. I, I don't so, know what you're talking about. on the Dan Patrick show, he was asked about baseball or football, but even from the start, he was very awkward about it and never gave answers. Like, Dan Patrick asked him about football, and he would say, well, you know, yeah, if I go there. Um, but then he listed off, like, right away, oh, there's the spring training date. But then wouldn't commit to it. And just watching it to me, I was looking at it going, you got to come in and like someone should have prepped you for this. Well, maybe he shouldn't have done the interview before he made well, his decision. And that too. Like, that, that's that, another it, it doesn't thing. make a whole lot of sense to me. And of that, why are you why are you doing this interview mm -hmm. then before you've even made a decision where to go? Because you know that, like you said, you know the People question is ask. going to come. People are going to ask. And Dan Patrick, I will say, is he's a rough interviewer. And when I say that is... He's not going to be like, oh, this is a fluff piece. No, he's going to come at you. He's going to get a good interview out of you because Dan Patrick is one of the best interviewers in the sports business. That's my kind of issue, though, to round it all up with Kyler Murray is not just poise off the field, but that poise on – well, not just the poise on the field, but the poise off the field as well where – you look at Russell Wilson, you look at Baker Mayfield, two of the guys you've compared. You mentioned now people throw out Baker Mayfield. Both of those guys are very good at the podium. Will Kyler Murray be that same guy? Well, so now a lot of things to unpack there, Ricky. Yes, a lot. Um, but the, the first thing is, you know, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes and how teams will, you know, change to him, defenses mm -hmm. and everything like that. Well, what about Lamar Jackson? Are they are they going to completely change to him too? Is he now going to be unsuccessful and well, not would... not be successful the way that he was uh, last year with the Ravens, where every team re realized this guy is going to run, uh -huh. run, run, pass, run, 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 pass, and they still couldn't stop him, and they still couldn't well... stop the Ravens. And the Ravens made it to the playoffs. They went up against the Chargers, who in that game mm -hmm. were much better than the Ravens. But he still, even even still, he was able to put a comeback together, give them a shot mm -hmm. at being able to win that game. But it's not because of anybody else other than the Ravens' defense and Lamar Jackson mm -hmm. that they were able to get to the playoffs. Maybe a little bit more on the defense, yeah. sure, but... They wouldn't have gotten there even with a good defense and Joe Flacco. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you that. It wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. But I, I guess I just also to your to your point of um, his his poise, I would disagree with that. I think that he does have good poise. I think he has poise when he's playing on the field in the sense of he knows that there's going to be pressure. He does not have to just resort to passing. Mm -hmm. He's got another weapon. Use your legs. And he did so, so many times in college. He did so, mm -hmm. so many times this past season with Oklahoma. Over 1,000 yards on the ground that he had. Multiple touchdowns. That's what he'll be able to continue to bring here to the NFL. A play breaks down. Well, you can get out of it. Use your legs. I, I think that there's obviously no one's perfect but if he is flushed out of the pocket he is going to be running now he may not be that guy who throws on the run or who may be the best at throwing on the run but he is still i think a poised 
player when he's out there. Mm -hmm. To the other point, I remember when Baker Mayfield was coming into the NFL and you couldn't stand him. You thought he was a jerk. You thought he was an a-hole. You oh, thought, he, Yeah. You thought he carried himself pretty poorly. You've changed your tune completely. I mean, he's, so now one, he is an a-hole, one, but like, he's successful. I, I mean, I would disagree. <laughs> I think that he has a, a really good um, air about him. I don't know. Everything I, towards Hugh Jackson kind of screamed a-hole. Just saying. But I, <laughs> but I think that, um, well, we don't know what happened. Um, but, <laughs> but I think that with Kyler Murray, one mm -hmm. bad interview shouldn't define who you are. Just like one bad moment for Baker Mayfield shouldn't be defined. But but I'm just saying, mm -hmm. you did not like the game that they had, Oklahoma had against Kansas when, you know, it, what was flag. it that he he was trying to planted the flag. But or but who who was it that he was trying to shake hands and they wouldn't shake hands and then he flipped them off? That was against Kansas, wasn't it? Yes. At the end of the season, no, that's who it right. was. The flag that was, plant o was Ohio, State. Ohio State. The but, flip off was but, Kansas. But so 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 you from that point, you were not a fan of his. You believed, oh, mm -hmm. this guy's a real jerk and a real tool. And plus and, he had and, the off the field issue of getting drunk and running from the cops. And where, yes, bad like I rather not have, wonderful. I rather but, have that though than the Joe Mixon thing. But oh, that's yeah. a story for, that's a different argument for a different day. But I guess what I'm saying is that these guys are still kids. young. They're not kids. They're young mm -hmm. adults. They're okay. young, adults. young adults. They're young adults. They're not kids. They're not children. They're not teenagers. True. They're not all teenagers. The basketball players are more kids than the What NFL are they? 18, ones. 19, 20, yeah. 21? Well, the, the basketball ones come yeah. out at 19, where the NFL ones have to wait until they're like 20, yeah. 21. Yeah. So, I mean, they're not kids. Mm -hmm. They're young adults that soon enough will be doing things for themselves <laughs> once they get paid here. They're kids in but, my eyes, damn it. But, but, but <laughs> here's the thing is that, you know... We can't have everything define, you know, mm -hmm. one small thing define how you're going to be. Did did was it handled poorly again? I didn't see it. I didn't even know about it. But yeah, it doesn't sound like it was really even good and, to be to have been scheduled before he came out with what he was going to do. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing that I'm gonna go more onto it because Lamar Jackson is a perfect comp to the poise thing that I'm saying is. If you looked at college at Kyler Murray, whenever there was pressure, boom, he's running. Like, oh, Kyler's gone. Boop, Kyler's going. And Lamar Jackson was kind of the same way in the NFL where it was like, hey, if it's not there and everything breaks down, Lamar Jackson is going to run. Now, A, a good coach will be like, hey, Kyler, don't do that. And eventually they'll work with him to, like, you know, go through progressions and – kind of not have to rely on the legs a whole ton because also there's the good and the bad. Yes, Russell Wilson hasn't been injured, but I will say Russell Wilson has done a great job of not getting hit. Like Russell Wilson does everything that needs he'll, – he'll run circles in that backfield just so that he doesn't get hit to throw the ball. But then on the other side, RG3, hey, I'm going to run for some yards and I'm injured. But that's, but that's also where – you know, you, if you know that as a quarterback, mm -hmm. you know that that's your style. Mm -hmm. That's one of the biggest parts of your game. You have to be smart about it, too. Mm -hmm. And Russell Wilson has, like you said, has been smart about it. RG3. I'd say like it, Mitch Trubisky. It was, it was unfortunate, but he was willing mm -hmm. to give up his body and take huge hits like he was a running back. Mm -hmm. And he... 
he couldn't do that. His body could not sustain mm-hmm. those types of hits. I mean, even this this year, um, this this past year, you look at a guy like Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson, he didn't miss any games for it, but he got knocked around a ton. They had an awful, the Texans had an awful offensive line. Mm-hmm. He got hit so many times. He didn't miss any games for it, but he got hit a lot. They cannot take those types of hits, especially guys who like to run. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned, Russell Wilson's been smart about it. Kyler Murray will have to be the same. Now to move on, because I don't want this whole thing to be about the quarterbacks, let's move on to weapons. And one of them was a weapon for Kyler Murray in that Oklahoma offense. I want to ask you your opinion between Marquise Brown and DK Metcalf. Because coming in, you had Metcalf in your big board, and then you changed it. You're like, I'm pushing him out. I'm bringing Hollywood Brown into the fold. In my mind, correct decision. Hollywood Brown should be your number one wide receiver. Um, Talk to me what you think between Hollywood Brown and Metcalf, and what was kind of going through your mind with that? Well, I I looked at it as more of a... I looked at it as more of a volume type of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and I know, again, too, with this, this past season, DK Metcalf had an injury, had a neck injury, and, and missed a, a good chunk of the season. But you look at his, his time... You know, 2016 Ole Miss, two two catches. I mean, that, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't really count much. But 2017, 39 catches. And then in 2018, 26 catches. While he's a really good athlete, I think that when you look at, I'll say Hollywood Brown for your benefit, um, 57 catches in 2017 with Oklahoma, and then he flipped that number to 75 catches in 2018 with Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Over 1,000 yards each season, got better in season two in terms of yards, in terms of touchdowns, in terms of production. And that is why I put in Hollywood Brown is because of that fact. And it looks a little bit more stable than the production that was coming out out of a guy in DK Metcalf mm-hmm. at Ole Miss. Even, who did I have in there before? Even uh, A.J. Brown, yeah, who I do have in there at 24, had better production than DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. That's, that's another area where I look at and say, okay, maybe Metcalf is good athlete, but maybe he's just not meant for that top 25 for the big board this time. Well, and for me, that's why, in my opinion, that's why I have him within like the 16 to 25 because he's there. Like the potential is there for DK Metcalf. Plus, you look at the physical for this guy, 6'3", 225. He's a rare physical, like physical specimen and has rare physical skills for the wide receiver position that you're like, you look at that and you go, Oh, can I work with him? If can I mold him into what I want? And the biggest thing, besides the injury, the injury is the big one. Neck injury is huge, but his whole point of where he catches it, like the catch point, he's inconsistent with it to where it doesn't feel 
like it's just a secondhand motion. It kind of feels like you're still thinking about it, where in my mind, both of these guys, the most important thing I am going to be watching for at the Combine in, I believe it's two weeks is the Combine. I hope they both run, if they're at the Combine, because yet again, haven't looked at an official list to see if either of these guys are. If they're both at the Combine, I hope they're both running the 40, because that is going to be the most important thing. Because, like, you look at DJ Metcalf, the best thing that he does is his release off the line. His release off the line and running route, well, if you have an amazing 40, that's just going to skyrocket you up the draft boards and especially the wide receiver ones. And then with Hollywood Brown, yes, the red flag is his size. He's a little bit smaller for a wide receiver at five, like 5'10", 168. He's the same height as Kyler Murray um, at the wide receiver position. So people are, A, size and durability kind of go hand in hand there. But when people look at you as such a vertical threat, you need an amazing 40 time. You need a 40 time that blows people off of their seats. It makes those scouts that are sitting back like this, Brandon, they got their notebook, they're flipping through it, makes them go like this. Who just ran that 40? Oh, that's Marquise? Hmm. I'll put a little star next to him. That's what you need to do if you're Marquise Brown because that is your biggest weapon is your vertical ability. No, I think you're right. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what that 40 time is. Speed is so big. Speed kills. And it is a huge thing that scouts are going to be looking for because what's becoming one Mm -hmm. big thing in the NFL in terms of wide receivers, they want that deep threat. They want Mm -hmm. that guy who can vertically get down the field like that. That they can get the that the quarterback can get the ball out to that can beat everyone on defense and get behind defenses quickly. Last thing I want to ask you, and this is a quick answer because you had him lower. Um, I still have him in the top, almost top five range. Did the playoff performance factor into why you have Jonah Williams falling from eight to eleven? Because a lot of people were saying did not play well, especially in that national championship game, where I said, oh, well, no, duh. He went up against one of the best defensive lines in college football. Did you expect a near-perfect game where Colin Farrell and Christian uh, Wilkins were not going to get to him? Come on, people. He only dropped a couple of spots. Um, I think you know another one is that Kyler Murray was popped in there as well. Um, After committing. And yeah. And so, I mean, so it's not necessarily anything too much performance wise, Mm -hmm. but I think that you could also see with Jonah Williams, I think he's going to be really, really good. He's got great footwork. But one thing that could be tough for him is really good speed guys could be difficult. Could be difficult. Mm -hmm. He's going, he can struggle at times against guys who have really good speed right off their brakes and right out of their brakes. So that is one thing that that you look at. And when you look at, the, at those guys from Clemson, you said it right there. It's really tough when you're going against some of those better guys, some of the best guys in terms of defense in college. Yep. And uh, for me, I just kept them the same because, like, he, he to me is the number one offensive tackle. Like, I mean, some people have Greg, yeah. Greg Little, but to me, Greg Little isn't even the second – offensive tackle out of me. It's the 
Um, oh, what's his last name? I'm blanking on it. It's Juwan Taylor from uh, Florida that's kind of taken that second offensive tackle um, spot for draft big boards. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section about Kyler Murray, about the wide receivers, about the offensive tackles. Let us know in that comment section. And Brandon, let's close out the NFL Big Board 3.0 with our top five. And before we get into it, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Young underscore 19 for Brandon. Young underscore Swan 19. Young underscore Swan 19. I said underscore 19. Um, at Young underscore Swan 19. <laughs> at Ricky Widmer for me. At Most Valuable Pod for Most Valuable Podcast. Brandon, the floor is now yours. Take it away with your top five for your big board 3.0. At number five, Deontay Thompson, the safety from Alabama. Number four, Josh Allen, the D-end for Kentucky. At three, Ed Oliver, defensive lineman from Houston. At two, Nick Bosa, the defensive end from The Ohio State. And at number one, Quinnen Williams, defensive tackle, Alabama. I'm going to ask you about that in a second, but here's my top five. Rashawn Gray, Rashawn Gray, Rashawn, I screwed up every time, Rashawn Gray. Rashawn um, Gary. Is it Gary? It's Gary. Rashawn Gary, the defensive end from Michigan. One of these days I'll get it right, hopefully before he's drafted. But Rashawn Gary, the defensive end from the Michigan Wolverines. Then at number four, Devin White. That's not a last name I could screw up. Um, it's an actual color. Um, linebacker from LSU. Then Josh Allen, not the quarterback in Buffalo, the outside linebacker from Kentucky. Then Quinnen Williams, the defensive tackle from Alabama. And then Nick Bosa. At number one, defensive end, OSU. Brandon, you had the balls to put Nick Bosa at two. Um, so tell me why you had the balls to do it and why I'm a little chicken shit for switching it at the last second. Well, the reason why I did it is because Quinn and Williams has been playing the whole season. Mm. Quinn and Williams has been lighting it up the entire season for Alabama. He's been making statements game after game after game after game, whereas Nick Bosa withdrew from school. I'm sorry. You had an injury doesn't mean you have to withdraw from school. We ain't I, here to I, play I, school, Brandon. But I, I don't I don't I guess I don't I do, but I don't understand the reason to do that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we talked about that a long time ago. Yep. So I switched it up because Nick Bosa, that's great. We've got some film on you. You've done some really good things. We saw most of what you did, you know, last season. Quinn and Williams you showed us a whole lot this year, my man, and a lot down the stretch. His name was being called a whole lot uh, for Ooh. Alabama in those games and just always making plays. I had to do it. I, I had to do it because I was I was looking at it, and I thought I started with Nick Bosa at number one. And then I went, why the hell do I have Nick Bosa at number one? What has he done lately? What has he done for me lately? What has he done for me lately? Quinn and Williams, I had to put him in there. Yeah, and for me, I originally, if we would have done this last week, I had Quinn and Williams and Nick Bosa. I almost said Joey Bosa. Nick Bosa at number two. And for me, the reason why I switched it was the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? Quinn and Williams could be the next, like the name you hear is Aaron Donald. Like, oh, he could be as dominant at the next level as Aaron Donald is. And you look at, like, you think about it and you go, okay, yeah, that's nice. That's really nice. Yeah, that's a number one pick kind of a player. 
But then I just started thinking about it, and I'm like, Brandon, Brandon, what is the most, the two most important positions, I would say three most important positions on a football field? Number one is your quarterback. you got to have a good quarterback. Number two, you got to have guys that will protect said quarterback, keep him on his feet. Number three, somebody who's going to get to the other quarterback. And for me, watching the film of Nick Bosa, I am conflicted. Because when you watch his best game, like the Michigan game from 2017, or even the Oregon State game from this year, which I get it, it was Oregon State, um, but still, he looks really good. And he comes from like, and I don't know how I feel about this when you see um, kind of other big boards and other scouts and stuff go, oh, well, he comes from a football family. Like, dad was a football player. Joey Bosa's a football player. He comes from a good football family. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, the Longs are good football players. So maybe this, the Mannings are good football players. The Bosa's are good football players. But, like, to me, I kind of look at that and go, so? Because Joey Bosa's really good. Does that mean Nick Bosa's going to be just as good? No, he could be worse. Like, we, Peyton Manning and Eli, yeah, Eli has more wins over the Patriots um, in big games. But, I mean, Peyton Manning is the better quarterback over the Eli Manning. But, I mean, for me, the thing that I think about is I watched his game from Wisconsin, when it was the Big Ten Championship 2017. And for me, the biggest thing was they just contained him. Like, those big offensive linemen from Wisconsin, I don't know if it's because they ate a lot of cheese curds before the game. They bulked up on that cheese to kind of get a good foundation. Uh, Didn't want to see their cholesterol after that. I just, I feel like in the NFL, guys and offensive linemen are going to figure it out. And I know he's got good hand technique. He's got a swim move. He can mess up your hands. But, like, I kept watching his film, and I kept watching that game over and over, and I kept saying the same thing to myself, Brandon. And that thing was develop a freaking spin move. Like, hit him with a, pu- hit him with a punch and spin around or spin to the inside or do something. And that's what I wonder if at the next level, is he going to hit a wall against those good teams, those well-coached teams in the NFL? You know, I think that, you know, talking about Quinnen Williams again is that he's just, he has incredible toughness. Mm -hmm. You know, this guy is, he is absolutely intense on the football field. He's got great speed. That is the one of the most important things his motor just gets flipped on and it just you, go but it's also one of the most important things if you have his you you've got his frame you've got mm-hmm. his size you've got what he can do and then you add speed to it 63285 holy crap mm-hmm. holy crap I, I i think that that is probably one of the biggest things for him one of the biggest pluses a guy who is all that but plus has speed can get off the ball very, very quickly mm-hmm. and can knock guys down. And before they know it, he's past you and your quarterback's on his ass. That is that is one of the biggest things for me. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you'll see that with Nick Bosa as well, is that I think he, he also has, uh, you know, good speed. Um, but I, I guess I just like... 
I like Quinn and Williams better, and maybe it's because I've been seeing him play more throughout the season. I mean, remember, Nick Bosa went out very early on. This mm-hmm. was after this three was game games. three. Right before the TCU yeah. game. Yeah. I mean, during it, during the TCU well, game. Because it was before, oh, he's just gonna miss that game. Or no, wait, he it got was in the in TCU game. game. And then it was, oh, he's not gonna come back. Then it was okay, I'm just leaving school. Yeah. And then he was gone. He was done. So I mean to me, that's the biggest. Like the biggest thing is, I don't expect the injury to affect him. Like I expect him to be back a hundred percent. But it's just the fact of how much is it? Because like Mark's a guy too, where he's mentioned like the you quit on your team, man. You quit. Like are NFL scouts and NFL GMs going to ask him at the combine like that type of a question and kind of be like. What would you say to someone that says you quit on your team by leaving? They might just because they'd be interested in the answer. Mm-hmm. Just to when, see how he would answer whether that Whether they care or not. They just want to maybe see what the answer would mm-hmm. be. Or how you would answer. Exactly. Like what kind of demeanor do you have? So I was just going to say, do Go you want to bring Ed Oliver now into the conversation? I would say we could bring bit. Ed Oliver and Josh Allen. Yeah. Like Josh Allen to me, the thing that like, yes, he's good. Yes, he had a breakout season. But the thing I look at him and what separates him from Nick Bosa, where Nick Bosa's up here and Josh Allen is down here, is basically Josh Allen doesn't have a second move. He does not. If you beat him in that first move, it's like, well, fuck, what do I do now? Where at least Nick Bosa can get by a little bit better. Josh Allen needs to develop a second move. He needs to if he wants to be successful. In the NFL, but you take the side of Quinn and Williams to maybe Ed Oliver, unless well, you want to say something about Josh. Well, I was going to say again with 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 Ed Oliver, he's got another one. He is really good on penetration, mm-hmm. yeah. and he is explosive off the ball as well. You know th- mm-hmm. that that's where those two for me are similar, very similar in that is that boom, it's a snap, and if if you. So this is where this is where a guy like bringing back in Jonah Williams mm-hmm. again. If he is not able to cover that, if that's one of his weaknesses is being able to go against guys who are very fast off the mm-hmm. ball, he's going to have to do a little bit more to deal with guys who are coming quickly off the football. And and that's where Ed Oliver and Quinn and Williams, to me, are very, very similar. Um, the only thing is Quinn and Williams beats him tenfold on size. Yeah. Like that's the biggest red flag for Ed Oliver is that he's six one two seventy four, compared to just like you look at him and he looks a little bit smaller than a Quinn and Williams who just looks like a brick house out there that's just going to go right through your offensive line. And I was going to say I think that that's where that's one thing that could be the knock to Ed Oliver mm-hmm. why he's not a you know a number you know a number one pick in in, in this draft is because. So many times, and so many times this happens for offensive mm-hmm. and defensive guys. Well, you don't necessarily fit the mold of the typical, you know, yeah. offensive player in this position or mm-hmm. the typical defensive player in this position. But I think his best trait would still be his penetration and mm-hmm. the way that he is going to get to the football and get to the quarterback. Or again, wherever the football is, get to the running back. I. I think that size will be something that he may have to adjust to mm. in the NFL here, but still with the skills that he has, he'll be just fine. Yeah, and for me, the interesting thing with Ed Oliver will be 
when we get to the draft, yeah, and the combine's going to play into this, does he become a faller? Because the thing that is unique is, like we've said, offensive guys may fall just because there's so many like offensive guys may fall just because there's so many defensive guys where it's like, yeah, we could really use this position, but let's get it later because there's a really good pass rusher yeah. here. And let's get that because that's going to help us and go BPA where Ed Oliver might fall into the other side of there's Quinn and Williams. There's Colin Farrell. There's Kristen Wilkins. There are so many guys that are going to be so close to where it's like, do you kind of like just lose out and do you fall out of the top 10? Do you go to 15 because of just the other defensive guys around you? I don't think he goes to 15. I wouldn't be surprised though if he fell just out of the top 10 based off of the talent that we have, but it'll be unique to see. Last thing I want to ask you, very last thing, very quickly. I forgot to ask you this in the last segment about Kyler Murray. I'll ask you this. Now that we have a definitive decision from him, what are your odds that the Cardinals take him at one and trade Josh Rosen? <laughs> I want them to so badly. I want them to so badly. Because I know you're a Josh Rosen hater. Hey, he sucks. <laughs> you're one of the Josh Rosen haters. So I think that they're not going to do it. Yeah. They're not going to do it. But they should. They should. Because they would be getting a player that is so much better than what Josh Rosen will ever be able to be. He just won't. And Kingsbury and, likes him. And there is didn't didn't he say? Yep. That when he was a Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. He'd take him with the number one mm-hmm. pick. Yeah. So now he's available. He's going <laughs> to come out. He's going to be a liar. Mm-hmm. And I don't like liars. Or he trades the pick. Well, I'm sorry. The GM trades the pick. I'm not sure what we're going to end up seeing there from the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. But should they do it? <laughs> In my mind, absolutely, you should do it. But. Um, they're uh, they're probably not going to. They're probably going to end up. They may actually just end up keeping the pick mm-hmm. and going with uh, one of the defensive guys Either who I think should be Quinn and Williams. Both are Williams, yeah. one of the two. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in the comment section. First off, if you were putting together a big board or you had the number one pick, we'll say, who would you go with? Nick Bosa, Quinn and Williams, and also what do you think about a Josh Allen? What do you think about an Ed Oliver? And actually anything we talked about on our big board. If you're on YouTube. Make sure you check out the other two segments as well, 6 through 15 and 16 through 25. I want to thank you guys for checking out the podcast. Don't forget to support us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. You can also rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Make sure we get that five-star rating if you please. And then follow us on Twitter. I'm at Ricky Widmer. You say yours, Brandon, because I'm going to screw it up. Young underscore Swan 19. And then at Most Valuable Pod for Most Valuable Podcast. want to thank you guys for watching on YouTube. Thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.